Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ice the Kicker podcast. My name is Glenn Zadigris, alongside, as always, Matt Ferrara. A very, very, very excited Matt Ferrara. Probably the most excited he's ever been in his entire life. And I've known him for <laughs> over 10 years, probably my whole life. But he's never been as excited as this because not only are the Dolphins pushing towards the playoffs, but they have made a change at the quarterback position. And instead of Ryan Fitzpatrick, it is going to be first-round pick Tua from Alabama headed under center, taking the snaps from now on. Um, a lot to talk about with the Dolphins, Matt. They beat the Jets 24-0. That really wasn't that much of a surprise. Um, Fitzpatrick played well. The Jets did not. We can talk about the Jets later if we want, but this is all yeah. about you and all about the Dolphins. Now, let me ask you this. With the Dolphins you know, winning, getting to 3-3 three and three on the season, with the Bills losing two straight now, kind of propelling the Dolphins into a position where they can actually win the division, with the Bills and Patriots taking a step back in recent weeks, is this the right move? Or should they have just run it with Fitzpatrick, who wasn't playing bad, was playing actually very well? Mm -hmm. In a playoff push, is putting in the inexperienced Tua the best idea for this season? So, yeah, I I found out about the news. I was sleeping at 1130. My brother stormed into my room like, Matt, I'm like, like, what's going on? I'm so out Who's of it. Dead? He's like, who died? I, that's literally what it, it felt like. I was like, oh my god, someone's dead in my family. This is awful. I don't know what to do. Then he's like, Tua got named the starter. I'm like, what? Did you get Tua got named the starter? I'm like, really? Like, I was very confused, excited, nervous. But to answer your question, I, I still feel like you're coming off two of the biggest wins that you've had. Probably, I mean, in the Flores era. And then within the past at least few years at being a Dolphin fan and you're riding this momentum and obviously you see the Bills faltering too, the Patriots lost as well and the Jets obviously aren't contenders. I, 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 it just it feels a little sudden and almost feels a little forced. So to me, it almost seems like it came from the owner or the, the GM because Flores being a guy who he wants to win every day possible and not knocking Tua, but obviously, yeah, he doesn't have that experience. He has five snaps and two passes, and it, it just it feels like there was something kind of internally there that may have pushed uh, pushed Flores to to make this move. I feel like this has to be something that was percolating over the course of a few weeks because it's it wouldn't be a smart idea or a responsible idea to make this decision based on the five snaps he had at the end of the Jets game. And the mm -hmm. two throws that he had, I can't imagine him winning the starting job without a preseason, without like without a normal training camp, with two snaps in a week six game, week six game against the worst team of all time. So I think we're obviously not there during the week at practice. Yeah. We obviously can't see, so maybe he's lighting it up on the practice field. But it does seem a little peculiar to put Tua in now that the Dolphins have a realistic shot at winning this division. And it's not like Fitzpatrick was holding the Dolphins back. You can't say that he's lost them any games. It's not mm -hmm. like if Tua started week one, their record would be, you know, five, four and two rather than yeah. three and three. So in my, in my opinion, it's, you know, a great PR move for the Dolphins to put Tua in. That's what people have wanted since the beginning. But in yeah. terms of winning this season, I, I would, I would trust the veteran in Fitzpatrick more because 
it's it's really hard to ask Tua to go out there week after week after week in this season and play flawless football and win this team the division. So I think that this move was made in the front office's mind saying, hey, we have a chance to win the division this year. But at the end of the day, in the grand scheme of things, that's not our grand goal. That's not what we're trying. That's not what we're setting out to accomplish to win the AFC East in 2020. We want more of that. So if I was a Dolphin fan, I would take this as kind of a message saying, hey, winning the division, making the playoffs this year would be nice. But ultimately, it's about 2021, 22 and 23. Yeah, so there's a lot of points that you make a lot of great points that I'll, I'll touch upon. So the first thing is you hope that the coaches are making this decision because they feel Tua is the best and gives them the best chance to win. And you hope that obviously he's been doing well in practice. I know there was one quote from a uh, a player Adam Schefter talked to that said he makes like one or two wow plays uh, at practice. And again, that's something is obviously very encouraging. Is it does it warrant him getting a starting job? I don't know. It kind of wait and see there. And being three and three and same thing, like you said, like Fitz, although yeah, he's not really responsible for any losses, but he is definitely responsible for just about every win that Brian Flores has had on the Miami Dolphins. Like he is so unique in his sense of, of, of just uh, importance to the team. Like I've never really seen a player play, play so much of a factor on a team than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that's on and off the field. Like, when he's on the field, obviously he's balling out. He's extending plays. He's lowering his shoulder into defenders. And then his leadership, you see that guys really rally around him. So that's kind of invaluable there. Not to say that Tua doesn't have those abilities, but like right now it's really easy to say that this is Fitz's team. However, so then we, we take a look in just to their kind of upcoming schedule. So obviously you have the bye week this week. And that the bye week got changed from week 11 to week 7. So to me, it could have been an instance where, hey, they wanted Tua to go in after the bye week and then just to give him the extra say two weeks to prepare so now that kind of got uh fast forward a little bit but you have the rams who are they're a good team obviously you have aaron donald that's really scary and jalen ramsey but then you go cardinals chargers broncos and then jets Bengals. so i mean a lot of winnable games no really scary defenses there so it's kind of going to be a uh, two are thrown into the fire situation, but at least we're in week, or it'll be what week, week seven or week eight by the time he gets in and with their buy. So a situation like that is kind of, it's kind of the best of both worlds. So I was, Oh, sitting for the whole year. A lot of people were all right playing right away. So now you kind of have, have that middle ground where you're not throwing him in there against the Steelers defense. Who's just going to pick him apart. You have uh, a little bit of leeway there too. And then, uh, yeah, another thing I want to talk about too, that it, the the timing is still just, it, it's a little strange. Like you, you or, or Fitzpatrick came out today. He had his player press conference with the, the Dolphins media and you could just see it on his face that he was just heartbroken. Like he was saying like, this, this was my team. Like this may be the last time he plays football. And although he, he's a great leader and, and uh, he's even a better competitor. Cause he, he always says, he's like, I'd rather be playing than sitting. So it raises a question about his future. And I think all of this is kind of getting thrown on him at once. And I think the worst part about it was that somebody, I guess, inside the Dolphins organization leaked the information. Like somehow Adam Shepard got it first before that uh, Flores could tell the team. So obviously that that's very unlike Flores to do and unlike what he's trying to kind of uh, have in Miami. He likes to keep everything kind of in the locker room. So 
just a, a very weird situation overall right now to see it kind of unfold. Yeah, it was. it's interesting that they picked the buy almost like it was predetermined before anything was going to happen, even before mm-hmm. they changed the buy, that Tua was going to come in after the bye week. So I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, I look at their schedule, Rams, Cardinals, Chargers, Broncos. When we, we talked about it last week with the Dolphins as well. Like, these are winnable games, but that was under the impression that they were going to have a veteran, solid quarterback who was experienced in managing a football team. Now, mm-hmm. Tua obviously doesn't have that experience, in the NFL at least. So mm-hmm. these winnable games that we talked about all of a sudden are not unwinnable, but they're a little less yeah. winnable because of an inexperienced quarterback. And if you're the Dolphins organization, players, coaches, fans – you have to expect Tua to have some growing pains and that could cost them the, the division and a playoff spot. So that's kind of the uh, risk and reward you play with making the decision for a team that has an opportunity to make the playoffs. I think that if I think that this was their, if I was to guess, I would think that this was their plan going into the season thinking that they wouldn't be as close to the top of the division as they were. But now Mm -hmm. that we're here, I feel like the plans need to be adjusted if I was running the Dolphins. And with that, I would have kept Fitzpatrick in because you have a chance to win the division, host a playoff game in the AFC, and who Mm -hmm. knows where that takes you. So, And also, what if Tua struggles? We talked about it a few episodes ago. Once you put in that rookie quarterback, you're not taking him out. Because mm-hmm. Haskins is now done in Washington, right? Yeah. When you take out your first round pick, you're basically giving up. You're basically saying this didn't work. And it's going to mm-hmm. mess with the kid's confidence if you do take him out. So you better believe that Tua is going to take the reins from two weeks from now on Sunday for the next 10, 12 years. Yeah. And again, just dissecting everything that you said, there's a lot of fact. I do think that the bye week thing was pre-planned. It seemed like, again, like they, they didn't name him the starter next week. They said right away, you're the starter and you have two weeks to prepare. So that seemed very, uh, it was a very methodical decision there. Um, and then, yeah, with, with like the growing pain, stuff like that, like, yeah, like, like you can't really expect him to go in there and, and be perfect. Listen, Herbert's been doing awesome. He still had some rookie mistakes. Burrow, as we could see over the shoulder, he still has some rookie mistakes. So I think, all those mistakes are going to be uh, magnified because, oh, well, we could have had Fitzpatrick. Oh, well, we could have had Fitzpatrick. But this kind of goes into what we've kind of talked about, at least what I've talked about a lot, too, about competition and stuff like that. And the, the way it is with Tua and the way it is with this organization, not just for 2020, but like you said, 2021, 2022, is Fitzpatrick was doing good. He was winning your games and he wasn't really losing your games. But I see now putting Tua in is a chance to evaluate, all right, can we be great? And I don't think there, there's there's anything wrong with that pursuit of trying to be great. And I think, yeah, there might be one step back, two step back, a couple rookie mistakes there with Tua. But like you said, if he can go on a playoff run as the quarterback right now and you could figure that out in year one, I think that's that's pretty awesome to, to see, especially because you have that Texans draft pick who looks like it's going to be possibly top 10 I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but say he just shits the bed, like you said, all right, now then at least we can draft a quarterback next year. So there's a lot of kind of factors that play into getting him in now. And I, I mean, it's, I think it's an awesome opportunity for him to show what he's got as a 22, 23-year-old coming off of a horrendous injury. It'll be 351 days when he uh, plays on November 1st. So 
I think the opportunity itself is awesome. And it's kind of similar to like the Yankees with Didi. It's like, you love the guy and he's done so much for your organization, but you got to start getting your, your future in, in Torres with the Yankees and obviously two with the Dolphins. So Fitzpatrick is not a long-term guy. Like he's not even yeah. past this year kind of guy. And he's awesome. And you love what he's done for the organization, but at what point do you say, all right, we got to kind of give the reins over to a rookie or a younger quarterback or else every team in that sense would have some sort of older vet who can just get it done. No one would really experiment. And then you would never know what a guy like Lamar Jackson would have or what a guy like Sam Darnold would have or Daniel Jones. You'll never know really what you got until you put him in. Yeah, um, very similar to what the Giants did in 04 when they had Kurt Warner. Mm -hmm. And then they were, you know, in the hunt for a playoff spot. And they said, no, we're going to go with Eli. Um, and it ended up working. It didn't work out that season. They didn't make the playoffs that season, but the season after that and throughout the next you know, 14, 15 years, it worked exactly. out. So it's not unheard of to make a decision like this. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, interesting to me that an organization that over the last 20 years doesn't make the playoffs a whole lot has mm -hmm. that opportunity. And now they seem to be rolling the dice. So to me, they must have a ton of confidence in what they've seen from Tua on the practice field to make this decision. Mm -hmm. Tua got into the game against the Jets. Um, I thought something that was really cool after the game, he went out to the field all by himself and he FaceTimed his parents. Um, I think this guy gets it. I think he's going to mm -hmm. be really good. Just the question is going to be, when is he going to get good? Mm -hmm. Like he's not going to be good right away. Is he going to be able to <clears throat> over the next few weeks, keep the dolphins heads afloat? before we get into week 15, 16, 17, and then possibly make the playoffs. Because this is not like a, you know, a Daniel Jones or a Sam Darnold situation where quarterbacks are inheriting a terrible team. Mm -hmm. I think the first six weeks of the season has told us that the Dolphins are not bad. They're a pretty yeah. solid team. They have some mm -hmm. pieces. Much better uh, supporting staff or supporting cast than younger quarterbacks have that have been recently yeah. drafted, like a Haskins or a Jones or mm -hmm. a Darnold or Rosen, all those guys inherited really, really bad teams. Yeah. Um, Tua has an advantage that he has a pretty good roster. So maybe um, his development is more like a Herbert or a Mahomes in terms of instant success rather than what I've seen as a Giants fan. Yeah, so a good, I think a Herbert, as far as the, the rookie quarterbacks right now, I think Herbert's in the best situation as far as supporting cast, but I don't think the Dolphins are, are too far off there behind. And then going back to you said like the the picture of him and he's facetiming his parents like that was just like it, it was so cool like it was just yeah. like when you really think about it, like obviously we just watch these guys as players and we watch them as this oh get me this amount of fantasy points but when you really go into it and you think about it, like these are they're they're kids like we're 23 24 they're 22 like that to me is crazy and then now you have the whole fan base the whole city is basically propping you up into us saying hey you need to be our next Dwayne Wade. You need to be our next Dan Marino. Like that's a lot of pressure to put on him. And I yeah. think so far he's, he's done a great job. And that's just a credit to obviously how he was raised with his parents. And I think Nick Saban does a great job in kind of molding these quarterbacks and just these players to be professional athletes in the NFL. And something else I found really cool was the, his first pass play, because his first play was just a handoff was like a naked bootleg out to the, his left side throwing side. And you had two corners basically or one corner blitz on him and the other uh, defensive uh, lineman was coming on him. And that was a very similar, if not the ex same exact play to when he got hurt. Now the offensive coordinator was saying that that wasn't the plan, 
because he's like the cornerback that came off a blitz that he didn't expect. But to see him kind of complete a pass there versus a year ago, he, he's almost ended his career was kind of very symbolic and weird when you really go back and watch it and you're like, wow, like this was the same exact play he got hurt on. And to yeah. see him just, even though it was, it was only a two yard completion, it was such a, 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 a memorable two yard completion. I think he'll say the same thing. And, and it's just, I don't know. He, he's just got, like, and you talk about the it factor, like he just has that persona around him. And obviously as a Dolphin fan, you're praying that the skills and all the hype is for real. But I mean, you're, he's a type of guy that like you can actually have as a role model, whether it's for kids or it doesn't matter. Like, I, I love everything he kind of preaches and all like his famous quotes and stuff like that. Like he's just, he's someone you can mold yourself at, uh, as, and you don't have to worry about, Oh, he's a diva. He's like this, he's like that. He's going to be late to uh, showing up. He's going to hold out because of money, all that stuff. Like he just seems like a genuinely awesome guy. And I think he's going to propel the dolphins to a lot of success and he's going to be the next big star in Miami. Yeah, I don't I never even heard of anyone who like doesn't like him. Like every like top prospect has this naysayer or this hater. Mm-hmm. I never heard that about Tua. Everybody wants him to succeed. Like I'm not a Dolphins fan, obviously. I'm mm-hmm. not a Jets fan, so I don't hate the Dolphins. Like I, the Dolphins are indifferent to me. I have a lot of yeah. friends that are Dolphins fans, but mm-hmm. in terms of me, I'm indifferent about the Dolphins. I love the kid. I think he's great. Yeah. I was so excited when he got drafted. I think it's the comeback story that people love. And I just think yeah. that you know, a kid from like Hawaii and you don't really see that a lot. I think people just have this like affection for just this, what seemingly is a genuinely nice kid. And I think yeah. that's going to go a long way for the dolphins. And I think that's why they trust him right away in a season where they're fighting for a playoff spot. And even if they don't make the playoffs and they miss out by a game, it's good that he has this experience of playing meaningful football in November and December. I think that goes a long way as a rookie quarterback. So when your team is ready to win and you're ready to make the next step and making the playoffs and making a run into January, he could go into that final two minute drive in week 17 where you need a score to make the playoffs. And he's going to be like, Oh, I've done this before. So I think for Mm -hmm. 21 and 22 and 23, I think this is a good move for the dolphins but it might come at the expense of 2020. That would be my only kind of critique of this move. Yeah, I I think uh, a lot of people, our friends, the media, all that stuff are going to be very hypercritical of the situation, like I said, because you have such a good backup in, or now backup in, in Fitz. But like you said, like, there's there I I still am very pro like hey sit for a little bit if not the whole season but and learn what you can learn the system learn the plays learn everything so when you do get in the game you're a hundred percent ready for whatever the coach calls for you however things you can't learn in practice are that those, those clutch games those two minute drills those November December games where you're fighting for a playoff spot so I think Hopefully, at least I, I'm, I'm predicting that when all, the season's all said and done, I still think we're probably going to go maybe like eight and eight, something like that. We might not make the playoffs, but I think you're going to see him learn a ton more. And it's really going to help him out in 2021. Like you said, where he's going to be like, hey, I, I've done this before. Now I'm ready for the next three to four years, whatever it is on that rookie contract to fully, fully compete for playoff spots and then for AFC's uh, division championships and then so on in the playoffs and then. That also helps out from a free agency standpoint because now you see, all right, I'm coming into a, a system or a team that has a guy who's ready to win. It's a little harder for a free agent to come in and like, say for the Jets, like, oh, I want to go to the Jets for 
uh, millions of dollars, but you're going to have kind of a question mark at quarterback and even a question mark as a head coach. Miami, you have your head coach locked up. You, you're hopefully going to have your QB locked up. Now, now I can go into a place and for the next three or four years, whatever that free agent's contract is, is, hey, I'm competing for division titles and then possibly for championships. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely going to be a storyline that we're going to cover for the rest of the season because Tua automatically becomes one of the top storylines in the NFL. Um, first quarterback? No, second quarterback taken in the draft. Burrow was first overall. Mm. Tua, if he didn't get hurt, would have been the first overall. I think so, too. I, th- I think I think so, too. And then Burrow would have been in Miami, but yeah. that's not the way it worked. Um, yeah. The Dolphins got the guy they wanted from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So moving on to the NFC East, because it continues to be terrible. Um, the Giants beat Washington or the Washington gave the Giants the win. I don't know which one is true. We'll um, the Eagles that. lost to the Ravens and the Cowboys got absolutely dismantled on Monday Night Football to the Cardinals. Like embarrassing. Even mm-hmm. with Andy Dalton. Um, was really, really bad. The, the Cowboys are still in first place at two and four. That is the worst first place record in the history of football through six games. So <laughs> one of these teams is going to make the playoffs at mm-hmm. six and 10, seven and nine, because I don't see e- either any of these teams making it to eight and eight. They're that bad. So mm-hmm. let's kind of talk about who's going to back into the playoffs here because surprisingly and amazingly the giants and redskins aren't out of it or giants and no. washington isn't out of it at all um if the redskins if washington <laughs> if what i hate myself i literally hate myself if washington went just got the field goal after mm-hmm. the game after the touchdown late in the fourth quarter and they won in overtime washington would be in sole possession of first place so, or tied for first place with Dallas. Mm-hmm. So that decision by Ron Rivera was obviously was completely like idiotic. Probably the worst decision I've ever seen since you know the Marshawn Lynch Super yeah. Bowl play. Mm-hmm. I don't know why Ron Rivera would do that. Puts the Giants back in to the mix to the mix of things in the NFC East. If they beat the Eagles tomorrow, all of a sudden they have two wins and they're tied with Dallas mm-hmm. for first place in the um in the nfc east and then the same thing to to be said with the eagles on thursday against the giants any of these teams amazingly could still win the division yeah so with the the giants and and washington football team's game uh i i never understand the the going for two there i i'm assuming the thought process is all right we have two yards to basically if you, you complete the pass or the run whatever it is you get two yards you win the game but you gotta have a little faith in your defense there to say hey our defense has been shutting down uh, the Giants' offense the whole game. What, they have 17 points? Yeah, so, they didn't so score that, a point in the second half. So, I mean, even more so. So you have this momentum and you have the obvious that, hey, yeah, like we're shutting them down. Kick the field goal. Take your chance in the coin toss. What if you call tails and it's tails and you have the ball? Then trust in your offense. Like I, I just – I don't get that decision. But for some reason, a lot of people do. Like a lot of people and like – broadcasters and stuff like oh great decision be aggressive it's like no like i think that's so stupid like just yeah. kick the kick the extra point you make it 99 percent <laughs> of the time and then you go live to uh, fight another day uh in overtime just have faith in, in your defense and then obviously if you ha- have the ball have faith in your offense just to put in the end zone like, I, I just i really don't get the rationale there and with ron rivera being a a uh a veteran coach like that just that doesn't seem to make sense to me and i understand that 
it's a situation that like, oh, well, we got nothing to lose. Well, it's like, well, I think you have everything to gain. It's like the whole division is is up in arms right now. Like everybody can can kind of grasp that division title. So you have a division game right now. Just kick the extra point and then yeah, go at it in overtime. I, I still it just doesn't make any sense to me. Divisional games when you win it actually counts as two wins, and if you know, lose, yeah. it counts as at two losses. So. It just—it's amazing to me that Ron Rivera made the decision. What are you afraid of if you even—if you lose the coin toss, and the Giants are on offense to start overtime? Who are you afraid of? Yeah, I, it's are a, you afraid it's of Daniel Jones carving you up in overtime? And then, and then, if Devontae, he does, you just, you are you your af- cap? Are the re- the receivers that the Giants are running out there? Do they scare you in overtime? I'm not scared of the Giants' offense. I'm a Giants fan. They didn't score a point in the second half. Daniel Jones threw a horrible interception in the, th- in the third quarter, late third, mm-hmm. early fourth quarter, to yeah, uh, yeah. put Washington back into the game. And that's, you know, the turnover thing is a whole other conversation with him. But you got to play it safe because you can win this division. It's not like yeah. they're desperate. It's not like they have a desperate order. You're so far ahead that you can make a decision like that. Also, yeah. Kyle Allen's your quarterback. If Aaron (laughs) Rodgers is your quarterback in that situation, yeah, I can see going for two and getting the win. If Mm -hmm. Tom Brady is your quarterback, I can see going for – who's Kyle Allen to convert a must-score two-point conversion instead of just tying the game? Yeah, and then the the play that they ran to to go for two was just blown up. And and the Giants only brought four linemen. So you're playing – you mean your play got blown up right away? He scrambled out and then just had nothing. There was absolutely nothing to, to do, nowhere to throw it. So you had a shitty play. You have a shitty quarterback. You, you, I mean, your offense isn't that good. I mean, you only scored 16 points up until that point. Like it just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. And listen, like I get the aggression thing when you're a kind of a shittier team, but that means like, all right, it's fourth and one, and you're at the opponent's like 40 instead of punting where you're in the other the other team's uh, area no you, you go for you uh, go for the uh, the fourth and one conversion there like that's the aggression that that I like and that's the stuff I, I enjoy but not all right let's go for two to try to win the game here I just I get I, I feel like I've rarely seen it I mean you saw in this game over my head the Texans and Titans they tied it up they went to overtime like there no one like went for two there was, there was nothing nothing there like you just you you trust in your defense and you trust in your offense and honestly you trust in that 50 percent chance you have in that coin toss which is a lot bigger uh of a meaning in football games than i think it should be but you, you get what i'm trying to say i just i don't understand that decision and i mean honestly we can go into it a little bit now i really don't know what kyle allen is doing for your team like it, it makes no sense to now doesn't make sense i don't it, i they obviously don't think Haskins is the guy. I'm sure they're admitting that they messed up that draft pick. Mm-hmm. Um, is Alex Smith healthy enough? Do they trust him from a health perspective to give you 60 minutes of football each and every week? Um, I don't. I wouldn't. Kyle Allen. It's 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 a white flag to me. I, I yeah. I just again and, and honestly, it's a hey. It, we want we want to get in on this Trevor Lawrence train too. That's what that's telling me. That yeah and and. To me, if Alex maybe they're Smith happy is, they lost. Maybe that's what they want. If Alex Smith is cleared, like medically cleared by doctors whose job it is to 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 do this type of thing, then why not put Alex Smith in? I mean, I take Alex Smith with half a leg than Kyle Allen 
with, with, with fully healthy. Like it just, it, I don't get in. I, I almost like I feel bad for Dwayne Haskins, but it's a situation where I, I don't understand. It's like they yeah. were what one in three when they took him out or one in two, whatever it was like, you're, you're going to put this on, on Dwayne Haskins when you have a stagnant offense in Kyle Allen, like he might not turn the ball over as much, but he's not doing anything for you. At least Haskins has a nice arm where he could spread the field out a little bit and, and space it out. And I just, the, the, the Washington football team, just, I don't know what they're, what they're doing right now. I really, yeah, don't. I don't, I mean, they gave up on Haskins what, 17 games into his career. How does he come back it. next season and compete for a starting job? They obviously lost faith in him. So mm-hmm. we talked about this a little bit last week. And this is kind of the kind of risk that you play when you put in a quarterback right away and something mm-hmm. that you're going to have to be cognizant of when we go into the Tua era of the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with a quarterback, a young quarterback that struggles? Mm-hmm. Um, they took Haskins out. Baker Mayfield struggled in his career. He's still getting run out there. What's yeah. the right way to go about it? Do you just keep going until there's no nothing else you can do? Or – do you take him out and say, hey, you weren't ready yet. We're going to have you on the second team, and we're going to try to, in the future, put you back out there when we think you could be successful. Or do you say, hey, he's the car is yours. You got to just keep, you just got to grind it out and hopefully get better. I don't, yeah, like the, I, I don't know what the right situation is for a young quarterback that struggles. The way, the way that I look at it is I don't love just giving – one guy the the keys to the city i don't i'm not in love with that i really like what the dolphins did with hey you had Fitz, a nice competent very good leader veteran quarterback he had the younger rookie sit under him and now when Tua goes in you're like oh well it's it's your fifth fifth overall pick so it it makes sense but like like with washington we can look at you have dwayne haskins who was what 14 15th overall pick and now he's getting benched for kyle allen like i don't understand that and then, like, even you look at Baker, who has been very hit or miss, and he, he's on a team right now that is constructed very well. They have a very good offensive line. They, their wide receivers and tight ends are awesome. Like, you couldn't ask for anything more offensively. And same thing. They're kind of, like, in a eh, situation. Like, yeah. they, they might feel like – I mean, again, I mean, I feel like Fitzpatrick might be the hottest – uh, trade prospect right now. I mean, you look at it. Imagine, yeah. imagine you you put Fitz on uh, Washington. You put Fitz on uh, Cleveland. It's like it, it kind of raises some questions there. And even like someone like a guy like Tyrod Taylor too. It's like these guys are are still good players. And, and it's I I just I don't believe in in just handing over the whole team and the whole organization to this guy. It's almost it's like too much. Like listen, I'm I'm very happy or or, or okay with. You give them a nice like like six game leash, and then you really see what they do because that allows at least for some. Hey, you might have a game where you have four interceptions, but hey, the next week you might throw four touchdowns and no interceptions. So you kind of give them uh, some leeway there. That's that's a good enough sample size for during the season. But I, I don't know. It's really it's really tough to see, and again, the Washington situation just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, they knew they weren't completely sold on. Haskins going into the season because if they were Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have given up on him so quickly so now that's on Washington the Washington organization in front office of not having a competent backup quarterback to replace Haskins had this happen and it did and also they they don't have a like they don't they don't really know what their plan is for their organization that's like we talk about all the time being in the middle is the worst like you either got to be 
rebuilding kind of bad and then you go into being good like they don't know what they are and I think that's the reason they have a QB controversy on their team and I think they're going to run into a situation where free agents are going to come to them they might overspend for one guy but not have the rest of the team kind of put in place stuff like that yeah and talking about this year they can still win this division like they're mathematically very much in it but they do not Mm -hmm. have the quarterback to do so I mean Mm -hmm. the Cowboys are fortunate to have you know a name as the yeah. backup quarterback, is he what he used to be? No, but can he, in a certain four-minute stretch, be what he used to be? Yeah, we saw it against the Giants when he drove down the field and won the game. Um, Carson Wentz has um, Jalen Hurts behind him. Jalen Hurts behind him. So that's a backup. That's a competent backup quarterback. The Giants have Colt McCoy, and he's not like the best quarterback in the world. But the Giants seemingly are set on Daniel Jones as the quarterback mm-hmm. as long as he's healthy. They will mm-hmm. never take him out this season um they might do something in the offseason who knows but this season daniel jones is the guy if you're mm-hmm. not set on a quarterback going into the season a young quarterback you need a good backup and that's where washington yeah. made its mistake because now they don't have a chance to win the division even though they could mathematically win the division because they don't have a guy to drive their team down the field kyle allen's yeah. not winning you games no no shot i mean again even even Alex Smith being kind of banged up too. It's like, you don't really know what he, he he's doing, uh, doing for your, your team too. And that's what like having Jalen Hurts as the backup in Philly, I think is awesome. I think he might get his shot earlier than we think because they're struggling right now. And I think uh, having Andy Dalton, even though he had a bad, uh, bad week two, I get or second game for him, him against the Giants second half was awesome, but that's still a lot better than, many other guys specifically Kyle Allen or Colt McCoy I guess we could say let's talk about the division as a whole who do you think is going to end up winning this division I'm going back and forth I don't think it'll be the Giants I I don't think they're just they're just not good enough Mm -hmm. I still think it'll come down to Dallas and Philadelphia but Philadelphia isn't good either like they 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 fought against Baltimore but from the grand scheme of things Wentz has taken a tremendous step back over the first couple years of his career Ever since that injury and Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, Wentz isn't that impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I remember when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, everyone's like, oh, too soon. Like, why are they spend a second rounder? And I'm like, this is exactly why. Because you have a declining Wentz who's on a massive deal. It was like a four-year deal, I think it was. So why not have that kind of insurance plan and that boom-bust uh, rookie that you could possibly have? So – to me, yeah, I really think this could come down to even the Giants and the, the Cowboys. I think the Giants' defense has been uh, a really been uh, bright spot. I, I think they've been a real bright spot for the organization. <laughs> and it, it's unfortunate that it seems like the offense is lacking behind a little bit. And, like, the one game where the defense led up against uh, Dallas, that was the game the offense kind of really showed out. But I, I think I still think Dallas is going to come away with it. But, like, that's – I feel like – I don't know. I feel like it wouldn't surprise me if the Giants, like, made some sort of run like if Daniel Jones can just cut back on those turnovers specifically in the red zone why couldn't they win I mean they had it they had a pretty good run game with Devontae Freeman and Deion Lewis and, and Gallman the other day so they, if they could just start putting up close to 21 points their defense seems like they're doing a pretty good job especially handling uh Andy Dalton and Kyle Allen and uh Carson Wentz or, or Hurts in the division seems doesn't seem like too tall of a task for their defense the Giants upcoming schedule is at Philadelphia, home against the Buccaneers, Washington, and then back with the Eagles before their bye. So it's all in front of them. Aside yeah. from the Tampa Bay game, if they go three 
and one in the next four games. And they somehow beat, first of all, they, they haven't beat the Eagles in like 10 years, right? They got swept <laughs> like the last like four years straight by the mm-hmm. Eagles. So they might just very well get swept by Philadelphia, but they seem to have Washington's number. So if they could somehow beat the Eagles twice, let's just give them a split and then beat Washington. And then they go two and two into the bye, then you're, you're still very much in it. Which is great. And that's what I mean, which and is that's crazy. How, that's, a, that's just speaks to how bad that division is because yeah. no, none of those teams are winning eight games. Mm-hmm. So yeah, seven and nine, six and 10 can win that division. So if you beat the Eagles on tomorrow, all of a sudden your entire season changes because the Cowboys aren't running away with things mm-hmm. and the, and Washington doesn't have the quarterback to compete. So yeah, if you I mean, beat the Eagles Thursday, you probably won't beat Tampa on Monday night football. And then you take care of business against a bad Washington team on week nine. All of a sudden that week 10 game can be very, very important in terms of winning the division. Yeah. I mean, you look at the the Cowboys remaining schedule, they have Washington this week. Like again, if Washington won, I wouldn't be surprised. Then they have Eagles again. That's another toss up, but that's fine. Well, you're gaining on somebody. That's what I mean. So that's fine there. Cowboys Steelers. I'm taking the Steelers a hundred times out of a hundred there. And even yeah. Cowboys Vikings too. Like, I feel like I would give the nod to the Vikings. Yeah. And then you got Cowboys Washington again. So another game where the giants can kind of creep up to somebody. And then obviously you go Cowboys Ravens Ravens are winning that. So this, this next stretch of games feels like it could be uh, the season right here for, for the whole NFC East. I feel like they're all playing each other like 15 times in the matter of three weeks. After the bye, the Giants have the Bengals, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Browns, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. That's not an easy schedule for mm-hmm. the Giants. But I don't think they'll beat the Seahawks. I think they could beat the Bengals. I don't think they'll beat the Seahawks. I don't think they'll beat the Cardinals. They're not beating the Ravens. They're not mm-hmm. beating the Browns. So it, it, they'd have to win this. They'd have to win six games. That If, if they're going to win the divisions, it could be a 6-10 and 10 season. And well, you could say yeah, that about I'll- all the teams. Yeah, I was say I was gonna ask you week seventeen with it Cowboys Giants. I don't know who's uh, oh it's Dallas at New York. Yeah, is this is this the game one? Is this the game that you potentially get some fans in New York? And then two, is this the game that's gonna decide the division winner at probably seven and nine? Let's see what the um, Cowboys schedule is at. Washington, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh—they're not winning. Um, Vikings. Vikings are probably better. They're away in Minnesota, so mm. that's something. Late November, it might be very cold, too, so that's another thing to look at. They're Washington, dumb. again, they're not beating the Ravens. Uh, they'll probably lose the 49. 49- yeah, any of these teams can win the division. It's amazing. That's- and uh, it, really, it really begs the question, like, should they make the playoffs? Should any of these teams make the playoffs? Are <laughs> divisions fair in today's NFL anymore? Or should it just be seeding based on conference? Yeah, so I mean that that that's a first. That's a great point, and it kind of it really sucks, especially because you're going to have a wild card team, probably two of them, with ten wins, if not maybe who knows, maybe eleven. At least you look at in the AFC, the the Ravens and Steelers are both getting in the playoffs one hundred percent. They're probably both going to be ten plus win teams. So already your wild card team has ten or eleven wins. So that other wildcard team is probably going to need nine or 10 wins anyway. And then you're going to look at the NFC East with their division winner being seven and nine. It's like that. It, it, not that I, I don't know if it seems unfair, but I mean, to, to a certain extent, I almost feel like it does just because 
they have the luxury of playing in this just shitty conference and they get to play each other. So obviously you have a chance to stack up these wins. And if you, if you can't figure out like a friggin' 800 uh, or 500 record or a little bit above, then it's like, do you really deserve to be in there? I'm trying to find a bracket that tells me who would play the NFC East winner on the road. If the playoffs ended today, I think it would be the Buccaneers. And that, that, is, that is a game I don't think any Giants fan wants. Because to right now the one seed would be Seattle. Um, they're five and zero. There's only one bye, like only the one seed gets a bye now because of the mm. expanded yes, playoffs. After that, I have two is Chicago. Two would be Chicago. They would play. They would play one of the wild card teams. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Tampa Bay would yeah so tampa bay would play the cowboys in dallas that's not fair yeah and that that that, again i don't really know how it works with the uh whole like who gets the home game and stuff like that but like that's what i mean like you're gonna give dallas the division winner gets the home game so division winner always so that's what i mean you're gonna give dallas the 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 home game when the team that they're playing has what three more wins than they have like that it doesn't make any sense to me at all like you need to figure some sort of hey maybe do like a, a reseeding like I feel like that would make perfect sense like isn't that how like the uh, isn't just how like the NBA does it it's just like hey you have one through eight and it's east and west like kind of mm-hmm. so many of the four divisions like I don't know I think there's a better system NBA does east west but you could also make the argument that some teams in the east should make the playoffs and the teams in the west should like yeah uh, it, it's 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 almost like there needs to be some sort of like like baseline it's like if you can't go seven like if you're seven and nine it's like is that worthy of 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 fighting for a a uh super bowl because you're gonna see a team who is maybe nine and seven that doesn't even get the the chance to yeah so it's like who would you rather give the the the, just the ability to fight for a super bowl victory i think there was a season where the seahawks won the division at like seven to nine and then the the giants were ten and six and didn't make the playoffs that same season yeah, I mean the the year uh, the year the Dolphins uh, uh, won the AFC East when Brady was hurt, Dolphins had like twelve wins, and I think the Patriots still had like eleven. Yeah, it's like and, and and I'm pretty sure like one of them didn't like didn't make it or something like that. Yeah, so Matt like, Castle didn't they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, so it's like imagine winning eleven games and not making the playoffs. I would be so infuriated yeah. at just at the whole NFL. Like I would be like imagine. The Giants go on and like they go ten and six to end the season, but they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, like that would be crazy. And then the and then the the other side of it is like, oh, we'll get those like Seahawks Saints. Remember that Seahawks Saints playoff yeah. game? Yeah, yeah. And then they'll say, oh, see that that's something cool that's gonna be talked about. Yeah. But, well, that's that's that doesn't matter. Like to me, that's not yeah, worth it. No, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like you're you're. That's basically what they're banking on. They're banking on this like Cinderella story. Like same thing with the Cardinals when they. Uh, like the Astros that just happened went to Game Seven of the ALCS. Like it's yeah. still not worth the trouble I, I, of putting it under five hundred team. I, I just I don't I don't think it's like I don't think it's fair. Like it just it doesn't make sense to me. Like like imagine like in in college football. Like all right, you have Alabama win uh, the SEC, but they but they just like somewhat randomly like the SEC West team who is just trash. They play them in the SEC championship. It's like all right, what if that day. They kind of just like they just had a bad day or whatever, and it's like 
I, I don't know. I just I don't see the point of kind of having teams really being go, getting in the playoffs who are supposed to broadcast the best teams in the NFL when you're below 500, and that there are better teams statistically than you. Yeah. So it's definitely unfortunate that one of these NFC East teams are going to make the playoffs and host a playoff game. And then, you know, how good are the ratings going to be on that game? Like who's going to I mean, really that's, care? That's a, that's a great point. Like too. if the Cowboys make the playoffs, it'll get a good rating because it's the Cowboys and it has such a large fan base. But if it's like the Eagles mm-hmm. or the Giants, like nationally, do you really care if the Giants make the playoffs without Eli on the team anymore? And you don't really know anybody. Barkley's out for the year. Is it really that much of a, an audience attention grabber? I, I don't especially think it when it, especially when everyone knows that this team is probably only going to win seven games. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, like I'm the, I'm the chiefs who's about to be 13 and three winning the AFC West. Like it, it's totally different. So let's uh, let's wrap this up with a conversation about the big game that happened last week. And that was the Brady versus Rogers showdown. Rogers mm-hmm. looked really good for a quick second early on in the game. And then Brady and the Buccaneers just completely took over. Um, the game really surprisingly i i'm shocked that the packers looked as bad as they did um it's no reason to panic if you're a fan of the packers or mm-hmm. or green bay um but you know it was a real statement win for tom brady and the buccaneers because remember in week one they had a similar kind of game against a marquee matchup against the saints and they didn't win mm-hmm. this is the first time since brady's been on the buccaneers that he's been head-to-head with someone of his equal in terms of an elite quarterback and he got the job done. So when we talked a few weeks ago about what teams are pretenders, what teams are contenders, Mm -hmm. it's time to talk about Brady and talk about the Buccaneers potentially going far into January, because that was a very impressive showing that they had at home against green Bay. Yeah. And, and you just, you look at as far as to give credit to Tampa Bay's defense. I mean, they had two interceptions they had, uh, they they uh, they had five sacks on, on Rodgers, and they they held Rodgers and the Packers' offense to only two hundred and one yards. Like that's crazy. So tip of the cap to their defense, and that's what I mean. You give same way that the Patriots did with Brady. You give Brady a good defense that's going to stop them in their zone and flip the field where Brady's only getting the ball at the fifty after the punt. That's a that's a dangerous Tom Brady yeah. right there. May, he may not be able to do the 99-yard drives anymore, but I'll take my chances with Tom Brady and that electric offense only having to go half the field. Yeah. Um, in terms of Green Bay, um, I said that, you know, not much to panic. They'll be fine. But, you know, Rodgers is getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, he only has that one Super Bowl, which is, you know, an accomplishment amongst himself. So a lot of, a lot of people don't even get any. Like, you're – your guy Marino doesn't have one, yeah. but Rogers in terms of all time greats. And I was thinking of Aaron Rodgers yesterday, watching the world series and watching Clayton Kershaw pitch, mm-hmm. even though Rogers has one and Kershaw doesn't have any, it, it I feel like Rogers needs another. Yeah. No, do you get that I, I vibe get... with Rogers too. Or do you think, Hey, he got the yeah. one against the Steelers six, seven years ago. He's fine. Because he's one of the best quarterbacks of this generation, probably mm-hmm. the most talented quarterbacks of this generation. I mean, he's he has more talent than Brady, but Brady yeah. just you know systematically better, yeah better, better situation. But in terms of talent, for him to retire with only one, while guys like Eli have two, 
that that would be that would be kind of a disappointment in terms of his career. I mean, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I was a Green Bay fan, I would feel cheated if I only had one with him. Yeah, I'm, I think I get a, a similar vibe of with this A Rod and Aaron Rodgers and the Yankees with our A Rod and Alex yeah. Rodriguez. Like only one. Like like that's it. Like yeah, it's awesome. And, 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 and 09 was awesome, but like only one championship with both of them arguably the best players in the game at the time. Like you were saying before, I, I remember somebody asked me this like a, a couple years ago, like, Oh, Brady versus Rogers. And I was like, Oh, Brady's better. He's better than this. But then after seeing Rogers this year, these past two years, especially with like his, his offense, like as, as wide receivers uh, go, like you have Devontae Adams who's elite, but after that, it's kind of just like a plug and play group of guys. And like, you just see like when he's out there playing, like the game is on his shoulders and, 85% of the time they're winning. And, and it's awesome to see just the, the level of skill he has at the age of what, like 35, 36, yeah. something like that. So like to be doing what he's doing now and still doing it successfully. Yeah. I definitely think the Packers need to be like, listen, we need to figure it out. Whether it's, I don't, again, I don't really know where their faults are because their offensive line is still pretty good. I know they let up five sacks that day, but overall they're still pretty good <laughs> defensively. I guess they may need to figure it out a little bit, but, I think these next two years, the Packers need to go full on. We're winning right now. Yeah. Sign what, whoever you can. But that's been their problem. They don't sign anyone. Yeah. They, they, they need to start figuring <laughs> out. Listen, you might only have Rogers for two more years whenever his contract's up. And I know you have Jordan Love coming in eventually, maybe, but you need to start signing some guys. I don't care if you overpay by $10 million. Who gives a shit? You need to make a conscious effort to Aaron Rodgers and your fan base to say, hey, listen, we need to do something right now because Aaron Rodgers is going to be here for the rest of everybody's life. So we need to figure it out. So while you have him, let, let's do something for him. Like, why not? Yeah, I mean, it's he's definitely has a chance this year, but it, it surprises me. He hasn't been back to a Super Bowl since. I, he had that one NFC championship game against the Seattle Seahawks where they blew an onside kick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they had the one last year against the 49ers. They got absolutely blown out in. I've, they they went 15-1 and one, one season, and then they lost to the Giants in the divisional round, so they were one and done. They seem to always, you know, give it up against lesser opponents, in my opinion. And, you know, that kind of that kind of falls on a lot of people. It falls on the coach, and they got rid of McCarthy, but now it falls on Rodgers. So yeah. uh, definitely, you definitely need to see something more – from Aaron Rodgers when they get to the playoffs. I don't think this loss is going to like kill them. I no. think they're going to be fine. They're going to win it. They're the best team in that division by far, mm-hmm. but just something to think about. Like if I think it would be like, it would be bad if this situation comes up again in January and the Packers and Buccaneers meet in the playoffs and Aaron Rodgers lets Brady, who was in the AFC for 20 years, all of a sudden comes to the NFC and then beat him. Like that wouldn't yeah. be a good look. Yeah, no, I'm in agreement with you that this isn't anything to panic about. I mean, the Packers played the Texans and the Vikings back-to-back, obviously the Vikings being a divisional game. I think those are two more statement games for, for Green Bay right there, and they're going to come out, and I think Rodgers is going to come out slinging and firing on all cylinders, and then it's going to be awesome. And then they're going to be – I mean, you win those two games, you're at 6-1 and one right now, and you're, you're in control of your own fate from that point on. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens with the Packers. Just something to think about because, you know, Rodgers obviously one of the best. Um, I said that would be our last segment, but we still have a time for one more game to talk about from last week. Talk about the Browns and Steelers because 
that was a complete disaster. I mean, it seems it, it, I've never seen a team be more up and down than the Browns. Like one minute, mm-hmm. they're just destroying the Cowboys who are not a good team, but they looked really good and Mayfield mm-hmm. looks great. And then the effort and the product they put out against Pittsburgh, you know, a division rival, a statement game for them to say, Hey, we're going to be a part of this division. Um, and we're going to have a say in who wins it to just completely mm-hmm. lay an egg and be terrible. And Mayfield being just completely horrendous. Um, that was disappointing. And yeah, I mean, you got guys like Stephen A. Smith now going on first take mm-hmm. saying that Landry and Odell should demand a trade because, you know, Mayfield doesn't make his receivers look good. So yeah. quarterback controversy in Cleveland, or do you think this is just an overreaction to a bad game? I think hundred percent quarterback controversy. I think Baker, I said it last year. I was, I think he's definitely on the hot seat and he kind of, yeah. again, Every single year, it's the same storyline when they play the Steelers or the Ravens. Like they win a couple games prior, they get some hype, and they're like, "All right, are they for real?" And the answer has always been no. So, at what point do you say, "All right, usually you're going to have to look at the quarterback"? Because Baker Mayfield, he was ten for eighteen, one touchdown, two interceptions, and he also got benched from pretty sure the whole fourth quarter. And you lost thirty-eight to seven. And I know he doesn't play defense, but you got to put up more than seven points against a division rival and a potential Super Bowl contender. And again, the Browns aren't in any rebuilding stage. Like you get, you look at their offense and I think you give any other quarterback, you give Minshew and the Jaguars, Odell and Jarvis. I think he's going to score more than seven points. So I think that there definitely is a, a raise in controversy there. I, I think not really the, the coach's fault yet with anything, but like, I, I don't know if they have the guy at, at, at the reins at QB. It's amazing because he has so many commercials. He has like more commercials than he does <laughs> touchdown passes. He's like, getting that money. He has so much, com- whether it be Hulu or Allstate or all of these nationwide, yeah. whatever it is. Like he's like the yeah. new Peyton Manning with commercials and he hasn't proven mm-hmm. it. He hasn't proven to be worthy of all these endorsements. I don't know how he's mm-hmm. getting them. He has a great PR team and a great mm-hmm. agent apparently. But like yeah. this guy, he's not that good a quarterback in my opinion. I'm with you there. I mean, you have, Ben Roethlisberger, who's statistically and that better is a than you. very talented offensive roster. Yeah, that's, that's they have I mean. so I, many guys. They should be lighting it up every single week. So it yeah. falls on him as the quarterback for the lack of success in offense. Yeah, I mean, I think they're. I, I think I could definitely see the Browns being a team who who draft a, a first round quarterback. I don't think they'll be fortunate enough to get obviously a Lawrence or a Justin Fields, but you might see them get a Sam Ellinger from Texas or even a uh, Trey Lance from uh, North Dakota State. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I never been a big Baker Mayfield guy, but mm-hmm. yeah, me, me neither. Did not really show prove me wrong this week, like you know, Josh Allen has the entire season. That's um, very true. So that's that's that'll pretty much do it for this episode, unless there's any pressing issue that you wanted to talk about. I was saying, give give me a, a score prediction and a team win for uh, Eagles Giants. Uh, Eagles Giants. Um, give me twenty four thirteen. Eagles. I'm going to go 21-18 Giants. And wow. I think I think we see Jalen Hurts. You think we see Jalen Hurts? I think On we a see a little bit of week? Jalen Hurts. I, I, think, I think we see some. I, I don't I, I don't I don't trust the Giants to win in Philadelphia. Like they that, I don't think they've I don't remember the last time they won in Philadelphia. I'd have to look it up. But I, I think they'll be able to figure it out. There's a first time for everything. That, that there is. Eventually, the Giants will win in Philadelphia. Between now <laughs> yes. and the day of my death, the Giants will have at least one win in Philadelphia. Maybe it's tomorrow. So. And if it's tomorrow, then who knows? Maybe they can actually you know, make a run and win the division. 
I mean, this the is the last thing start. I want. The last thing I want. My <laughs> friends say I'm a bad Giants fan for wanting them to bottom out and get a good draft pick. I'm like, you guys are nuts. Because even if they win the division at six and ten and get bounced in the first round, how does that help me? How does that help the future of this team? Like, I don't know. But it just these arguments that I have with my friends drive me nuts. I'm with you. I'm with you. So that'll basically do it for this edition of Ice the Kicker. Um, no Dolphins game next this week. So no, we're going to have to wait a little bit. Yeah. We're going to have to wait a little bit to get <laughs> to that Tua game. It's like waiting like, for Christmas to come, like when you're two yeah, weeks out from like, Christmas. Like and the days, days just go yeah. so slow. So I'm eventually gonna we're going to talk about Tua's first start on an episode here. But next week, I'm sure we'll talk about the NFC East more. And we'll talk about, you know, whatever happens. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell's first game in Kansas City. The, the talk about, true, we'll yeah. talk about all those things and more on Ice the Kicker. But until then, for Matt Ferrara, my name is Glenn Negris. Thanks so long and see you next week.